Hi, everyone. Welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. Amid airline cancellations and low shelter space, Border Patrol has been dropping off migrants at bus stations around San Diego without help to reach their final destinations. According to San Diego County, approximately 880 people seeking asylum in the U.S. have been affected. Kate Morrissey covers immigration at the Union Tribune. Hi, Kate. What's going on? Hi. So we have a couple of uh, migrant shelters on this side of the border in San Diego County. And normally, Border Patrol will drop off uh, whomever is being released from, from its custody directly to those shelters. Um, and then the shelters help those folks um, with arranging for travel to loved ones around the country. Typically, people who cross the border here in the San Diego area don't stay in the San Diego area. They have loved ones elsewhere who they're trying to reach. But um, as you can imagine, if you've ever done any international travel, you cross a border, your phone stops working, um, or maybe it's dead after you know crossing the border, spending time in custody. And so it, when people are are just sort of on their own figuring this stuff out, it can be very difficult for them to even get in touch with those loved ones, to buy the plane tickets, um, to know which airport they're closest to, um, all the, all those kinds of sort of logistical things. And so these shelters normally are are doing a lot of that work to to help people navigate these systems in this this country they've never been in before. And on top of that, they um, you know have have a medical team that are doing COVID testing and also monitoring for any other um, medical conditions that might need to be addressed before the person can travel. Um, they you know provide places to sleep and food while all of that's being arranged. And so over the past week or so, we've we've seen that change because the shelters haven't been able to move people on, haven't been able to send people on to their final destinations because of these winter storms, flight cancellations and all of that. And so now there's not enough space within the shelter's capacity uh, for the new arrivals. And so some of those folks uh, the the federal government has has chosen to leave them at bus stations around the county. Uh, have we seen a situation like this before? And what did authorities have to say about this decision? Yes, we have actually um, in sort of a different set of circumstances. But actually, uh, the reason why we have shelters on this side uh, is because this started happening about four years ago. So prior to four years ago, uh, the immigration officials themselves would uh, do some of this coordination work, helping people get in touch with their family members, making sure that there were plane tickets purchased before people were released. And then people would go directly on to their final destinations. And um, in 2018, that stopped. The federal government said, no, nope, we're just going to release people and they're going to figure it out. And so um, local organizations here in the San Diego area started getting phone calls to a hotline about these groups of asylum-seeking families who had been left by the federal government on the streets of San Diego, and they decided to respond. And so that's how the San Diego Rapid Response Network Migrant Shelter, which is um, you know, the longest standing currently existing migrant shelter in the county, um, that's how they came to be. 
uh, now we have a second shelter as well. Both of the shelters are um, contracted through the state. They have some funding from the federal government, but but it really was that grassroots response to um, asylum seekers being left on the street four years ago that that even led us to having these these places. Um, and when I've asked, you know, the federal government for information about why they're choosing to do this now or or why this, you know, this is happening, um, the statements I get back are basically, you know, they ensure that the people being released from their custody have the resources that they need to travel onwards, um, that those folks have been uh, screened and background checked and, and will have to uh, report to immigration officials in the city they're going to be arriving to. But um, they have not answered my questions about exactly how many people have been affected. The county's estimate is a very rough estimate. I think that's important to note. And, um, you know, there's, I think, a lot of questions being asked about could there have been something else to to be done in this moment rather than leaving people in the cold at night at bus stations? Right. Well, speaking of resources or lack thereof, um, can you share some of the stories you're hearing from migrants who have found themselves in this situation? Sure. I met quite a number of people uh, last Friday, uh, the day before Christmas Eve. And um, at the El Cajon Transit Center, I met a woman with her two-year-old child who had managed to contact uh, someone in Los Angeles who was coming to pick her up. Um, I met two women who were trying to get all the way across the country. Uh, they were from Nicaragua and they had no idea how they were going to get there. There was, they had no money. They barely had uh, working phones. And then um, someone who knew someone who knew who someone who knew them, you know, like sort of this, this, chain of, of communication, eventually someone who lived uh, an hour or two away from San Diego agreed to come pick them up for the night. Um, you know, I, I still don't know what happened to them after that. Uh, the last time I saw them, they were sitting at the trolley station. The security guard had actually asked them to move from the parking lot where they'd been dropped off and, and moved them into the well-lit area by the trolley so that he could keep an eye on them because it was late and it's not the best place to be hanging out when you're, you know, a woman with your kid or, or just a, a woman there by yourself. Um, and you don't know the area or anything. So, um, they were just kind of waiting and, and, and there were other folks who were stuck and trying to figure out, remember there were two men who were trying to figure out how to get to Indianapolis and they were asking me if I knew how to get there on on a bus. And I was like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, like how to get to Indianapolis from San Diego on a bus. Um, and so they were sitting at the, the transit center trying to figure that out. Um, and then a lot of the people who had been dropped off there had managed to make it to the San Diego airport. They figured that that was the place to go in order to try to move on. Um, and so a, a lot of times what that looked like was one person either had some money or, or had a relative who was able to get an Uber for them. And then they took everybody that would fit in the car with them. So, uh, people were, were arriving at the airport who, you know, didn't have cell phones to contact their relatives, didn't have money, 
um, I met this one uh, man in particular who had been separated from his pregnant wife and um, by, by Border Patrol when they were taken into custody. And uh, he, his clothes and shoes had been so badly damaged in his journey from Ecuador to the border that uh, Border Patrol had changed had had given him a, a change of clothes and and these sort of um clog looking croc type shoes i'm not sure exactly uh, what to, what brand they are or anything but just to kind of give you an image um and that he had so he had those clothes and shoes that he was wearing that had been given to him by border patrol and he had the documents that he'd been given when he was released from custody and he had a piece of paper with his wife's phone number, and that was everything in his possession. He had no phone, he had no wallet, he had no money. Um, and he was he had managed to squeeze into a taxi with some strangers to get to the airport, and he didn't know how to figure out where his wife was to reunite with her to get to where they were going. They were headed to the Midwest. Um, and so someone had let him borrow a cell phone for a second and he had, I think, messaged her and, and learned that she was in a shelter somewhere. And so, you know, I I started doing my reporting job and, and asked the the shelter contacts that I knew if she happened to be in the shelters there. And then, um, the rapid response network shelter decided they didn't have her, but they decided to come get him and try to help him find her. And so, you know, if I hadn't been there just doing my job reporting and asking the question, like, I don't know how that would have gone down for him, you know, but they, they ended up sending someone to come get him. And uh, they found his wife at a shelter in Riverside because there's shelters in Riverside and Imperial counties as well. Um, and they uh, ended up reuniting them on Christmas Eve. So, you know, again, it, it, it worked out OK for them in the end because the shelters got involved and helped them. But it's, it's what's really unclear to me is, is how many more people might be in that situation. And we just we don't know because there's not really a way to communicate that broadly speaking or or a way to you know survey for that as people are just being released to the streets and, and kind of figuring out their own way around um i heard from another man who's from peru who um crossed the border with his mother and he hadn't heard from her and so he started messaging me asking me how he could try to find out where she was and you know there's just not really a a way to do that if the person doesn't have a working phone. So um, eventually um, she called him from an immigration detention facility. And it was only when she managed to to do that, that he found out where she was. And we still don't know why she's in that long-term detention facility. Wow. I mean, have any local organizations stepped up to try to help people who have found themselves in this situation? The shelters here are doing everything they can to, I would say, stretch their capacity to 
to help as many of the new arrivals as they can. They are trying to triage and at least take the most vulnerable of the people arriving. Um, but, you know, they can't just overnight completely grow their their operations by the amount that would be necessary to take everybody. Um, but they are, you know, taking a lot of people. For example, um, the Rapid Response Network Migrant Shelter told me they're still taking about 300 people a day or up to 300 people a day. And so it's not like no one is going there. Um, but other than sort of private individuals who have noticed that this is happening, um, I haven't seen a lot of coordinated effort for the people who are being left at the bus stations. I've seen um, employees from nearby businesses uh, who saw Border Patrol drop off people go over and, and start helping. Um, but I have not seen like a lot of nonprofits getting involved in this moment or or local government for that matter. So what do you expect um, to happen? Do you think this policy will continue? It's hard to say. Um, you know, the, the hope among the folks working at the shelters is that the travel situation will calm down after the holidays, um, that they will be able to move people through a little more smoothly, and that that way they'll be able to take more people who are arriving and, and hopefully not have to triage. Um, my understanding from one of the shelters is that they did not have to triage yesterday, but um, it's still kind of a day-by-day -day thing. And so, you know, it, it remains to be seen if other kinds of situations besides winter weather or holiday travel are going to come up that will mean that the number of spaces in the current shelter infrastructure is not enough for the number of people that Border Patrol is releasing in the San Diego area. Uh, we do get, for example, buses from the Yuma sector. Um, there are a lot of people crossing in Yuma right now. It's a popular spot. And um, Border Patrol will put folks on buses and send them to San Diego so that San Diego agents can help process the folks who arrived in Yuma. Um, and so, you know, we don't know what kind of of uh, movement like that we're going to get uh, at any given time or or how different sort of crossing patterns along the border might change. So um, it's it's hard to say exactly what the capacity needs will be in the future. Um, I think it is, you know, surprising that at this point, no, sort of knowing that there are policy changes coming or or possibly coming at the border, depending on what shakes out with some some lawsuits that are currently in place, that could um, change the the number of arrivals being released into the United States. That there wasn't more in place on the government's end to be able to accommodate more people or, or have some kind of temporary structure or, or temporary infrastructure that could be built or more effort to beef up 
what is the current infrastructure. So I think we're all kind of waiting to see if more of that is to come. Um, there was uh, funding in the most recent appropriations bill that will go to these border shelters. Um, but, you know, we're still waiting to see how that how that all comes down and, and what those programs look like. Okay. Kate Morrissey, immigration reporter. Thanks so much for this report. Thanks. Thanks.